When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Any good stories from the road? And pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're mon geese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. A dub is a dub is a dub is a dub. Georgia gets the win at Missouri, and SEC road wins do not come easy. You want to think they come a little bit easier than that? This is Georgia's first, second double-digit comeback win since the 2018 Rose Bowl. I'll give ESPN, SEC Network credit for that stat right there. Georgia comes back to win this one, 26-22. The dogs in Missouri were trading field goals there for the longest time. It looked like they were playing soccer or rugby, maybe. Just kicking. I'll kick it. Okay, you kick it. All right. We're going to run a few plays. We're going to get in the red zone. And then we're going to kick it. Sound good? Sounds good. Uh, at one point there, it was almost as if Georgia being in the red zone was a disadvantage for the dogs. Uh, made that remark with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek at one point during the game. And uh, it, actually, it actually gave way. That take gave way. The dogs continued to bang on the door, bang on the door, chip away at that dam, and eventually it broke. Uh, my name is Wes Blankenship. This is the Georgia Show. Welcome in. The dogs are still 5-0. and Come tomorrow, I can almost guarantee you they will not be number one, however. They may not even be number two. I don't know if that's unprecedented or not for a team to win as a number one team uh, and then get jumped by Bama and then Ohio State. Ohio State looks better than Georgia does right now. We'll get into that. I'm not saying that Georgia uh, can't get better as the season goes on. Obviously, we've seen how good the dogs can be against Oregon. Uh, we've seen how good they can be against South Carolina uh, on the road. But tonight was kind of an echo, a continuation of the struggles that we saw from Georgia against Kent State. Uh, dropped passes, turnovers, um, failing to score touchdowns in the red zone and instead kicking field goals. But as I mentioned, they continued to play. And as Case Malarin says right here, right on cue, the O-line showed up when they needed to. No earlier, no later. Well, I mean, because Georgia won, you're not wrong. But I think that the dogs would have loved to have seen more from their offensive line early on in the game. I wasn't there. Uh, and I've obviously only watched this as many times as y'all have. I think when I go back and watch the film, here's my hypothesis. 
I think you're going to see that Georgia had a lot of opportunities to get people open in space, receivers, or to run the ball. And when they had those opportunities, they couldn't convert. Uh, whether it was Kendall Milton's fumble after a 35-yard run in the first quarter, or whether it was a drop pass from Lad McConkey. Okay. When you can't convert on those things, then the defense gets more confidence, right? Well, as the game went on, Georgia couldn't even get those opportunities. No one was getting open. Um, and because of that, Georgia's offensive line finds itself in a position to block more, pass block longer, uh, try to establish the run. Here's the thing about Missouri's defense. They were selling their house, even in this economy. You know how tough it can be to buy a house. Well, it's all right to sell one. And Mizzou was profiting from that economy because they were blitzing on every play. They blitzed all night. It was like any given Sunday out there. Palmer Toms, welcome in. Um, Palmer, I, I was just about to bring up a, a story about uh, my high school football coach. His name is Larry Sherrill, and he he had these uh, these mental – training exercises with us. And one day he told us a story about a donkey that was just given up on. The farmer wanted to get rid of him and he put him in a hole, but the farmer throws dirt on the hole to try to bury him, bury him alive. The donkey shakes it off and takes a step up and the farmer does it, repeats it, repeats it. And eventually the donkey has shaken off so much dirt. It finally steps up out of the hole. And that's what Georgia's offense did in the red zone tonight. Stetson Bennett, grew with his composure on those final two touchdown drives. He shook off whatever was going on from Missouri's defense because they were in his face all night. And I know statistically this was a brutal game for Stetson Bennett, but he couldn't get anyone open. That gave way to uh, more pressure. That gave way to an exhausted offensive line. And I am very impressed. I know a lot of Georgia fans are going to leave this game feeling like the dogs are not the team they thought they were early on in the season. But I am impressed with Stetson Bennett's ability late in the game to lead this team to a win. That's not a spin zone. That's just how I saw it in real time. Maybe 24 hours from now, I'll feel differently. What do you think, Palmer? Yeah, this is going to be a, this is going to be a fun rest and react. I'll tell you that one. Um, because there's a lot to think about in this one. Like you said, Initial reactions, Georgia gets it done. Um, it wasn't pretty. It was far from that. And I thought I kind of thought that's where you were going with the with the donkey reference. That that Georgia was a donkey tonight, but no, I wasn't gonna beat up on them that much, although they did play ball uh with the coordination of a barnyard animal at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I I think you know, Kirby just said it on um, – That's this is why I'm late coming in. Uh, Kirby just said it on SEC Network, talking to Cole Kublik um, and, and, and said that Kirby, – Kirby said that this team needed to grow up. Um, this team, you know, it's hard to win on the road in the SEC. Um, you know, Cole asked if it was – if this, you know, if it was a given that they were, there was going to be some emotion after this game from his team, you, you saw 
the way that they reacted in that second half. And, and I think, you know, we talked about it at halftime, but that's exactly what you wanted to see out of this team. You wanted to see some emotion. You wanted to see the guys that are the leaders step up and lead and make big plays. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett does that. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint does that. Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh and Dejan Edwards all do that. Um, you know, Georgia, um, you know, needed these guys to step up. They needed to grow up, and they did that. They, they did that. It, it was not pretty. It looked like a donkey, but like you said, uh, you know, they, they, the donkey dug itself out of the hole. Yeah, I mean, my whole point in that is, uh, other than the fact that it's a ridiculous story, obviously if the <laughs> farmer wanted to get rid of that donkey bad enough, he'd find another way to get rid of it. But all that aside, I'm not going to let that uh, – factual observation get in the way of my narrative here georgia look they're not the number one team in the country right now i think after this game the kent state game the samford game i think the body of work is there now the narrative on georgia is there now they let teams that aren't as good as they are hang around and in this case they played with fire to the point that they really should have lost i think you could make the case for some of the penalties they got away with in the game tonight, Palmer, I'm going to play it fair. You know, Georgia's obviously been on the wrong end of those before, and I know fans are going to say, I don't care if we got some because we've seen enough go against us. I get that, but Mizzou brought everything that they had to this game and really could have won. That's got to scare you if you're Georgia. It does. I mean, it absolutely does. Um, You know, I I think that – um, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot to learn from this game. You, um, if, if you're Georgia, you can't, the, the team that went out there and played tonight cannot be the team that comes out and plays, you know, next week against Auburn, the next week against Vanderbilt. Um, but especially, you know, once we hit that home stretch of the season and, and Georgia's facing much better competition with, you know, the likes of Florida, Tennessee, uh, Mississippi State, we, we, they're probably going to rise into the top 25 after a big win today over Texas A&M. Uh, Kentucky, even though they lost the, you know, a top 10 team coming into t- today's game, um, you know, the, the home stretch of the season plus what you got to do to win in the postseason, the team that you got to beat to win in the postseason to, to get where you want to go, uh, Georgia is going to have to play a lot better football. But I think that, you know, coming out of t- – you know, coming into tonight, you probably would have wanted to see a better game. But, you know, coming out of that second half, uh, you know, coming going into halftime, I think that there was a let's just win this game, regardless of how it's what it's going to do to our resume, to what the you know public perception of this team is going to be. Uh, you know, if we win this game, everything that we want to accomplish will still be ahead of us. And, and I think, you know, for Georgia's sake, uh, they're lucky that, that that is still the case. We invite you to hit subscribe on this YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube. If you are listening via podcast on the replay of this, uh, then please uh, follow that as well. Leave us a review in the comments. Leave us a go, dogs. Leave us your thoughts in there. Obviously, YouTube comments give the people that watch it live the opportunity to comment and uh, engage with us, and we love that. Uh, But if you're catching it on a replay, engage with us that way as well. Comments like Mean Mug and Matt. Dogs got to improve and get healthy too. 
Palmer, the injury list on this team isn't short. Let's uh, not overlook that either tonight. Arian Smith tried to give it a go. A.D. Mitchell dressed but didn't play in the game. Kenny McIntosh really gutted it out, but he wasn't 100%. And on that long run he had, I believe, in the fourth quarter on Georgia's drive that put them ahead, he took a shot on that same left leg uh, that was injured coming in with the contusion. So that's something to watch. It may be nothing. It's just something I observed in real time. Um, but, yes, the injury situation's tough. And losing Jalen Carter tonight, that didn't seem promising either. No, it did not. Um, and and certainly interested to hear what Roe has to report uh, from tonight's press conference. Um, but, you know, as far as the injury report goes, um, you know, Jalen Carter is certainly going to be at, at the forefront of everyone's minds there. Um, but you know, this is a banged up football team. I mean, just looking at some of the guys that, that didn't travel, um, you, you've got to assume that some of them had to be injury related because, um, you know, uh, Jaheim Singletary and Julian Humphrey, those are two guys that Georgia, you know, they, they are thin in that secondary and typically they're taking as many DBs as they need, uh, as they can, you know, fit on the bus. And Javon um, Buller being out didn't help. Yeah, and, and and that was that that one's not injury related, as we all know. Um, but you know they are thin there, and and so for uh, Singletary and Humphrey to not make the trip to really limit the number of true cornerbacks that Georgia has, um, I, I think that you know I, I maybe I'm spe- absolutely speculating here, but to me that screams injury related. Um, you know, not making the trip. Um, you know, you've get like you said, you've got those guys that were banged up and were dressed out and that, you know, maybe gave it a go, maybe didn't. Um, Georgia has got to get healthy and it's really hard to get healthy when you're continuing to play football games, uh, especially if you're going to mess around and, and play four quarter games like they did tonight. Um, you know, yep. not a lot, not a ton of opportunities to get your guys off the field. onto That's the what sideline. happened against Kent State last week. Absolutely. Kenny McIntosh got banged up because of what you were just talking about. Absolutely. Um, and, and he was banged up going into that, but, you know, further banged up, uh, you know, because of a hit that he took against Kent State. Uh, and, and like you said, observing it real time, uh, there's a chance that he took another hit tonight. And the hits are going to keep coming. That's SEC yep. football for you guys. But, um, you know, the, the teams aren't going to just say, oh, well, you know, poor poor Kenny McIntosh. He's, he's got a, you know, thigh contusion. We're not going to hit his thigh. No, they're probably aiming for his thigh now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, his- <laughs> well, there were uh, there were definitely some plays where Missouri was aiming for Georgia tonight. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's what know, happens when you're number one and, and Georgia may not be number one after tonight, but they're still up there among the top, the creme de la creme. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and, and like I said, um, you know, just winning, uh, you know, winning is big because it's not easy to go on the road in the SEC and to win. Um, you know, the, the stats aren't pretty, um, you know, I, I did feel like, especially in the second half, Georgia ran the ball a lot better. They did. Um, you know, and, and looking at it, they finished with 169 rushing yards. Um, what, what did we say? They went into halftime with 34 as a team. Um, so, you know, just quick math, there would be one yeah, trailing 16 to six. Yeah. One, one in the second half, uh, Georgia was able to run the ball when it needed to run the ball. Um, you know, it was the, the wear down effect on that Missouri defense. 
Um, you could really see it there. Um, you know, was it pretty? No. Was it a win? Yes. And, and I think that regardless of if you're number one or not, uh, you know, winning is, is important, uh, you know, with how college football shakes out around the country. Uh, you know, if, if you win, you're, you're going to be in. And, and Georgia, you know, controls its own destiny, uh, you know, to get to the SEC championship, to get to the college football playoffs. But all that is predicated on winning. And it doesn't matter how you win. Uh, it just matters if you win. Well, I think this team certainly showed evidence for people watching it week in and week out like we do. We weren't surprised to see Ladd McConkey drop a pass tonight because we saw it happen uh, last week. Was I surprised to see it potentially become a, a pattern? Yeah. But now that we've already seen it, it's like, okay, that's not new. It's unfortunate for Georgia, but it's not new. Uh, the turnovers, sloppiness, the uh, busted coverage. Look, Georgia's defense really stepped up in the second half of this game, holding Missouri to six points. Um, but they did have some blown coverage. I think at one point in the game, they'd given up eight explosive plays or the equivalent. I think there were a couple pass interferences in there. There could have been one more on Keely Ringo that wasn't called. And Georgia's defense, being young, being on the road, it looked like some of that eye candy, that pre-snap stuff was confusing Georgia, and it caught up with them. Now, here's what I'm curious to see, and we won't know until the season continues to go on. I don't know if you'll learn it against Auburn. Brian Harson may not make it to that game after losing to LSU tonight. I think he will, but I, I've, I've been wrong on many things before. Hey, I, if there's anything I've never been right about, it's picking Georgia against <laughs> the spread this season. I do not think I've been correct one time. Fade me if you even trust me for gambling advice. I don't know why anyone would. Um, but when you look at, at, at what Georgia's done – so far, and you've seen the games that you know we've labeled here on this show and on, on previous shows as opportunities for Georgia to grow. Well, at what point is it an opportunity for Georgia to grow? And maybe Georgia's just got some issues that are going to haunt them as the season goes on. I don't know what the difference is at this point, but I know some of the themes. Maybe they made it right there at the end of the game, but Georgia's red zone offense doesn't look good. And I don't know if it's something about the scheme that Munkin runs. It's easier to, def uh, to defend once they get in the red zone and the field gets a little bit shorter. I don't know. I don't know if that's what, what what's caused it. The uh, struggles in the run game were certainly part of it. But as you mentioned, Georgia continued to stick with the run game. And that's what we've seen Georgia do since Kirby Smart started. Let the depth of this team – uh, just wear down on opponents that don't have the depth. And that's the, that's really what we saw tonight. And I think that can be the case against most of Georgia's opponents this year. But if you come out and play like this against Tennessee, you're going to get beat. If you play like this against Mississippi State, you're going to get beat. Um, anyone else on the schedule? Maybe, uh, you know, Kentucky. I know they lost today, Ole Miss. I still expect them to give Georgia everything they can handle because I expect them to get better as the season goes along. So, Georgia showed uh, windows. Georgia showed weaknesses tonight that if exploited against deeper teams that have uh, recruited better than Missouri's been able to, you're going to get beat. Yeah, I, I mean, very well said, Wes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and that's that's where I said, you know, I think Georgia needed to grow up. Um, you know, you're going to get challenged just – 
Um, you know, and, and I think that this is a very young team that hadn't really, I mean, Kirby's talked about needing to face adversity, needing to use that composure card. Um, you know, and he said it last week, he said, you know, Hey, we used it. Um, you could argue how much adversity we did we really face because we were up. We still won by 17. Um, Georgia faced adversity tonight. Absolutely. No questions asked. No doubt about it. Georgia faced adversity tonight. Real adversity. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And, and, and I think that, like you said, Wes, I don't know that we were going to know much about this team until they did face some. And I don't know that we're going to know much about this team until they face some against a, a, an opponent that is of equal or, you know, better caliber than them. Um, you know, I'm not sure that there are, I mean, there, there, there might be one team, maybe two uh, that, that are of better caliber than Georgia, uh, but to face somebody that's at least equal caliber and, and face some adversity against those teams, um, I, I think that's when we're really going to learn a lot about this Georgia team, um, and and the que- you know the, the questions that they've got to answer. They've got to continue to answer them because this isn't the same team that that went out and won the national championship last year. No, Kirby has said that. For a while now, yep, it's not a surprise. Um, it, it's it's not a surprise to see them struggle a little bit. Uh, but if they're gonna do what this team is capable of doing, they they've shown that they're capable of doing it. But if they're going to do it like they want to do it, they've got to overcome adversity. They've got to learn a lot. Tonight is a step in the right direction of that. Um, was it enjoyable for a Georgia fan during? Not at all. I think I can speak safely there for Georgia fans. Well, no, I mean, let's think back. When's the last time Georgia was in a game like this? It wasn't last season uh, because the SEC championship game they lost wasn't close. Um, There were some games where they started slow on offense, but then just really hammered it last year. 2020. You could could say Clemson. Okay, I'll give you Clemson. But, but, and that was a different, that was against a team of equal caliber though. Right. I mean, you know that 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 Clemson team. It was a, Georgia was an underdog in that game. I mean, so it was a little bit different to to say. You know, to, thinking back on games where Georgia has been tested against teams that they probably shouldn't have been tested against. South, South Carolina, Carolina 2019 is yep. the is the one that comes to mind. That's the and that one was at home, so maybe it makes it a little bit worse. Versus right. you, you cut the team a little bit of slack because they were going on the road, um, but. South Carolina 2019 is probably the last time that Georgia messed around with a team that was messed around and found out to uh, change slightly popular phrase. Hey, uh, speaking of popular phrases, we got some cool phrases here over at breakingtea.com. The link to these Georgia shirts in the uh, bio or the description, I should say, of this YouTube video of this podcast episode. 
check them out. It's uh, an NIL promotion that is showcasing guys like the mailman, Feel the Bowers, Savage. Georgia didn't have a turnover tonight, Palmer. That may be the first time that's happened this season. Need to double check that. Uh, there were no turnovers against Samford, but okay, they also didn't turn the ball over there. Cool, burn the boats shirt. National champs kind of looks like a Waffle House. All that over at breakingtea.com. Let's face it, you could use a new Georgia T-shirt. Check out the links. Who couldn't? Who do, who doesn't need a new Georgia T-shirt in this episode? Palmer, we were speaking about the scheme of Todd Munkin a moment ago. A lot of comments have come in focusing on that. When the team doesn't really put up all the points you think they're going to put up, the offensive uh, coordinator gets a lot of the blame. Yeah, the a, a, offensive a, a, line West, coach on, did tonight on, too. On that note, this it, it just struck me. This is uh, Georgia came into this game with, I think, six or seven straight games of 30 plus points. Uh, first time that they didn't do that this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, another element there games where you're tight, low scoring Georgia's either dominating or losing. It seems like, uh, but, but what do you think uh, contributed to Georgia's start on offense? Some of the strange quirks of the game included Brock Bowers, not touching the ball until, halfway through the second quarter, uh, the run game not really working at all. It seemed like Georgia wasn't even able to, or if they were able to, they weren't trying to run a lot of these screen plays that kind of heated up on some of their drives that got them into the red zone before they eventually converted those into touchdowns. Did you notice anything scheme-wise, or do you feel like Missouri just totally out-executed and punish Georgia to start this game and knock them off track? I'll have to go back and watch. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you the Kirby smart answer. I'm going to go gotta watch the tape. I got to watch the tape before I, before I can give you a fair assessment on that. Um, but, you know, just thinking about it, you saying they didn't really throw that many screens. Well, that's because they were getting their butts whipped at the line of scrimmage and you can't really, um, you know, you, you can't really get the ball, keep the ball at the line of scrimmage if if Missouri is bringing that much pressure. Um, you know, I, I think that you, you, you couldn't run the ball, but you also because they were bringing so much pressure and they were getting their butts whipped at the line of scrimmage. You couldn't Stetson didn't have a ton of time to stand back and, and you know, get the ball downfield. Um, you know, set it at, at halftime, and maybe this is the the old offensive lineman in me speaking, but it, it starts and ends with the offensive line. And tonight, it did not. The offensive line did not play well, especially in that first half. Um, you know, as as when Georgia needed to be able to run the ball. Um, you know, Cole Kublik pointed out on on the call um, and, and said it to Kirby afterwards. You know, they they got to the edge a lot more. They were going with a lot more you know, zone schemes, gap schemes, as opposed to just man-on-man mashing them football because Georgia wasn't mashing them. And, and Kirby, you know, was asked why was that? Uh, you know, he said because we were getting we were getting whipped at the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, it, when you can't control the line of scrimmage, that, that battle there in the trenches, it really eliminates certain elements of your, of your playbook. You know, you, you can't call a – inside zone uh you know you can't call an outside zone where you're you know trying to 
um, you know, get, get the ball just man on man, um, you know, get pushing upfield. Um, you, you can't do that. And, and then you, it limits what you can do because you need that extra help. It limits getting the ball to guys like Brock Bowers, to guys like Darnell Washington. They've got to stay in and help block. You know, the, the running backs have got to stay in and help block uh, for, for that same reason. So you, you, when, when, you're getting, when you're getting manhandled at the line of scrimmage, like Georgia was there in that first half, um, it, it really changes the way that you call plays. Uh, I mean, Stetson was hurried, pressured, sacked so many times in this game. You're right. I don't think he ever had the ability to get comfortable until some sort of switch flipped there at the end of the game. And that is ultimately the biggest, best takeaway I think Georgia fans can have from this game is that Stetson Bennett is still the leader of the team in a way that other guys were not able to do at their respective positions. Uh, The experience showed up in the areas where it needed to case Malarin commented early on in the show in our YouTube comments. Um, I don't know if Georgia pulls out this game if they don't have some of the leaders from last year still on the team. Stetson Bennett, Nolan Smith, the Big O, and Brock Bowers all made huge second-half plays, and that's ultimately what you need. You need the guys that you can depend on in these moments to say, hey, if we're not having our game tonight, I'm at least going to do what I can do. And they all did what they had to do. And I think a young defense did what it had to do as well, even though it did have some busted coverage in the game. Uh, uh, Kirby Smart speaking to the media right now. Jake Rowe is there in Columbia. We invite you to subscribe to Dogs HQ, a dollar for a year for a premium membership. That is on the table for you. Subscribe to that for our premium stories for our injury reports before the game, a lot of stuff that will help you get ready for game day before you ever tune into the game. And, of course, uh, premium recruiting insight as well if you like to follow recruiting. Please also hit subscribe on our YouTube channel and follow the podcast. Palmer, just got a few more minutes here for you. I want to comment on something that Kirby Smart did in the post game. something he said. He mentioned that he couldn't be prouder of the team and also said there's a ton to clean up. I think that's obvious, the latter part. But I mentioned the last time we spoke, uh, it was either on our Georgia show live on, on Wednesday or Sunday. But Georgia is a young team, as we've established on this episode tonight. But if you remember last season when Nick Saban had a young team that didn't play its best ball all the time, but still found ways to win, was young, talented, but made some pretty big mistakes at times and lost at Texas A&M along the way. Not a very good team, by the way. He still didn't beat up on his team when everyone else seemed very eager to do so. And I don't want to speculate. I don't know if this is how Kirby thinks about it or not. But from the outside looking in, I see some similarities there. Kirby knows that – Maybe there isn't the most best internal leadership like he had from Nicobe Dean last season or from Jordan Davis, but he can provide somewhat of a barrier as the top dog 
lead in a way that still inspires, motivates, encourages, teaches, but doesn't totally rip the paint off of the face mask of a bunch of guys that are learning in a trial by fire situation. Absolutely, Wes. And, and you know, the, the comparison there, I, it was one that I hadn't thought of and, and makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, teams that are coming off of national championships, teams that, that had lost double digit amount of players to the NFL draft. I, I just looked it up. Alabama lost nine, 10 players to the NFL draft um, in, in that 2021 year headed into uh, into the 2021 season. Um, you know, Georgia loses 15. Um, the, the similarities are absolutely there. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I just I, I point back to winning is really all that mattered this game. Yeah. Um, just win, baby. Al just, Davis. Just win, baby, win. Um, you know, I, I think that as you look, you know, Georgia will not go to a true road environment again until they go to Starkville, Mississippi uh, in November. So they've got a lot of time to, yep. uh, you know, get comfortable, grow up as a team, um, you know, games against Auburn, Vanderbilt by week, and then they go on away from home, but not a true road atmosphere against Florida, home against Tennessee. Those are your next, uh, you know, four games, five weeks. This team's got to grow up a lot, though. Going on the road is hard. Winning on the road is even harder. Uh, and, and, you know, so to win tonight was very important. Um, and, and that's where I think that, again, you look at uh, Alabama last year. They did not win. The, you know, they, they, they did not play I mean, well. Think about that LSU game. Think about Arkansas game last year for Bama. The well, Arkansas game. was at home. Arkansas was at home. And, and I think Bama was – or I think LSU was too. I could be wrong there. Um but I know that they Florida. played Florida. Florida's the game. Florida. Yeah. Florida, they played really close. And I, I saw the stat today because, uh, you know, Bama was on the road today in, in a big atmosphere. Uh, they, they said, I think they played five games on the road last year. Um, and, and maybe they were throwing in the Texas game from this year. Um, but they did not play well on the road last year. No. They played a very close game at, at Florida. They lost at Texas A&M. Uh, they played Auburn really closely. Um, you know, that, you might be right. That LSU game might have been on the road. Um, Whatever it was, though, I mean, those were just instances of a team that was good. I mean, they had good enough players, and that really shows you how good they are and how talented they were. They still made it to the national championship, dominated Georgia in the SEC championship, uh, but they didn't have a lot of leadership. Um, mean Mug and Mutt says he agrees with us, Palmer. Uh, very smart intelligent individual uh, two, I, I just looked it up a two-point loss or two-point win at florida yep a three-point loss at at a and uh they then they won by 40 against mississippi state on the road so maybe that's maybe that's what georgia needs is a you know to yeah. go whip up on the other bulldogs out of the west uh and then a two-point overtime win against auburn on the road um, it, Bama did not play all that well on the road last year. Young team uh, that, that had to get better, that had to grow up. And like you said, um, you know, ultimately what mattered was winning and winning when it mattered. And they did that and they got to uh, – they got they put themselves in a position where they could compete for the ultimate crown. Uh, but, a you know, more experienced Georgia team last year got the better of them. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the – 
tables turn this year and the younger Georgia team gets the better of a more experienced group. Yeah, maybe uh, so. From, from elsewhere, but a lot of football to be played before then. And and the way that Georgia played tonight is not going to get it done. Case Malarin, uh, thank you for keeping our comments hot. Thanks to everyone who has. Uh, Glenn Hartley, Stetson comes up big again. Jay Martin, 24. Good to see Arian Smith and Don make a few plays. I need to go back and look. I, I thought Arian Smith got banged up again and didn't come back, but we'll go back and put glasses on that one to borrow a phrase from Larry Munson. Uh, Tomahawk Dog says Dejon Edwards has the best vision among Georgia running backs. He did heat up tonight, and tomorrow night when we go live at 8.30 and have Jake Rowe back in the fold as he gets back from Missouri, we'll have a little bit more time to uh, talk about what worked for Georgia this is more of an emotional reaction because we're right after the game here. But one of the things that did work today was Dejon Edwards. He finished the game tonight uh, with 11 carries for 49 yards and a touchdown. So good for Dejon. I know uh, Colquitt County is very proud. But Case Malarian with a comment here on leadership. As an Army officer, thank you for your service, Case. Leadership determines organizational culture. You lose a leader and culture could plummet. Unless somebody else steps up, you saw that tonight. I think someone did step up. I think his name is Stetson Bennett. Um, Several very, guys stepped up. Yeah, I'm I very mean, impressed with Stetson leading the team because I'll I'll say it again. It's the last time I'll say it tonight. But he looked terrible as the pressure and the lack of protection started to wear on him. He was off the mark. He couldn't hit guys that were open when they were open early in the game. They were dropping it, or they couldn't get coverage. Okay, they couldn't or they couldn't get separation. I should say. And that took a toll on Stetson, but he still stood in there and uh, and led the dogs to a win. He did. Um, hey, Wes, update for you on Jalen Carter from Kirby. Uh, he said, I think it's an MCL sprain. Okay. So um, that that's the update on Carter from Kirby, uh, who is speaking to the media now. So MCL sprain for Jalen Carter. I know you're probably going to work on getting that up. Uh, in a in an article of some sort, Palmer, if, if you need to, if you need to hop off, that's cool. I'm about to end this thing anyway, but I want to wrap up the show with a couple thoughts. Um, this is an important time of Georgia's season right now, and it's a time for Georgia to either say, hey, that's not who we want to be. We're a better football team than that, and we need to beat teams like Missouri uh, better than that because – we need to play better than that. We can't have self-imposed uh, issues in the red zone, penalties, turnovers, all that stuff. Or Georgia's just going to continue to find ways to win like this, or they won't. But I think the fact that Georgia did find a way to win tonight, even though Missouri's far from the best team left on their schedule, I think there is some silver lining, some positive to take from that, along with all of the issues. Final thing, 10 years ago in this rivalry was the first Georgia-Missouri game as Georgia welcomed Mizzou to the SEC. And like tonight, Mizzou started off really hot, had a good first half in that game, and Georgia found a way to come back and win. And it became uh, somewhat of a turning point, somewhat of a rallying cry uh, for the team. Let's have an identity where we find ways to win. Jarvis Jones had the uh, strip sack, had an interception late in the game, and Aaron Murray led the offense in a similar fashion as 
Stetson did tonight. And Georgia won that game much more comfortably. But wins at Missouri aren't as easy as you think they might be. Georgia's had some scraps, some fights, some good Georgia teams have against Missouri uh, on the road as well. So take that what you will. I don't think the struggles of tonight necessarily have to define Georgia for the rest of the season, but they do have a lot of work to do, and it's a lot of work on things that they already had work to do coming into the game. Uh, Palmer, I appreciate your contributions. I'm going to get this uh, distributed, published in all the places it needs to go. Once again, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for commenting. And just really enjoy interacting with y'all week to week after these games. I'm glad y'all showed up. I don't know how many people would have shown up if Georgia didn't pull it out, but they did. Hit subscribe on that YouTube channel button. Hit subscribe on the podcast. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. It helps a ton. And we will catch you 8.30 p.m. Sunday night for our final thoughts on this Georgia-Missouri game for the dogs. Move on to the other Tigers, Auburn and Brian Harson. We'll see how that goes. Catch you all next time.